What's up, peeps? <laughs> this is the Ebb and Flow podcast. It's me, the ex-NFL offensive tackle turned yogi. And that will be an official title. If you're looking for some sort of certification, in about 40 minutes, I'm heading to my welcome orientation of a five-week, 300-hour yoga training program. Pretty stoked about it. Um, I will keep you guys posted on all that stuff. We are winding down season two. Um, following the finale of season two, be on the lookout for a best of run of the ebb and flow. going to take a little break, finish up this yoga teacher training, and uh, we'll be back with more powerful content in season three. Stay tuned for that, but no worries because there will still be episodes rolling out, which will be fun. So this episode, it is with my bro, Augustus Breton, my roll dog, and uh, we are, (laughs) the podcast title is Coming Unglued, and at first glance that sounds sort of intense or fatalistic perhaps, but the truth of the matter is what we come to in this episode, you'll see, is is a dual meaning to that idea, that concept. It's a lot of fun. We really hang in the solution. Love as a healing agent. The power of love. I think you guys will enjoy this. Uh, before I let you go, would love to see you join the Power Tribe on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain. All the bonus ebb and flow content, guided meditations, yoga flows, breath work exercises monthly live group sessions. I'm also offering one-on-one ebb and flow coaching. Would love to connect with you there. If you're looking to optimize your life, spiritual guidance, life guidance, someone to bounce ideas off of, I am at your service. Would love to see you there. Uh, Merch for your revolutionary garb, your shroud of awakening. Head over to higherpowerworkshop.com. We've got t-shirts, hats, hoodies, yoga mats, all the good stuff. Everything you need to inspire those around you. All right, y'all. Enjoy this episode, and I will see y'all on the flip side. Stand strong in your highest greatness, y'all. Much love. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source, the key of imagination, your admission, access to the enlightened dimension, a gateway at the junction of darkness and light, the place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow.
All right. We're rocking and rolling. Uh, I gave Gus a dosing of nootropics. I talk about these a little bit. I talked about them on a solo pod just to give you a little insight into some of my practices. Today, we did, I did a stack of a draphanil and pri, uh, prima, prima racetam. Mm. Um, what podcast did you like talk about? It's like we're at a bus station. On? Yeah, man. <laughs> what podcast did you talk about them on? Um, you remember a couple off weeks the top ago. of your head? Oh, okay. a couple of weeks ago. Um, well, they're just fantastic for your cognitive function, stream of thought, memory retention, and access, uh, fluidity of thought streams. All in all, it's great for podcasting, conversing, talking. Right. There's no fucking crash. Right, right. I mean, we know how that I is. I mean, I the first thing you said to me, and I've taken nootropics before, and you've given me different nootropics that I've taken, but the first thing you said to me was, this is a um, natural kind of Adderall. That was yeah. your, Do they say that, or is that your... That's just my way so of your describing kind of, it to somebody okay. who doesn't really know what it is. I mean, my can't do Adderall man no I mean you know I'm in such a different phase of awareness than I was when I used to do Adderall but my come downs were so dark and so intense and awful that I couldn't help but like take another one I don't know how I got out of that right I don't know how I and got then out you of start it. smoking weed and drinking alcohol to come down at night I used to do this thing on Adderall. I remember because I was living in Brooklyn with dad and I've written about this, but like I used to, I, I, I imagine everybody's like reaction to drugs are different. You know, I'm sure there's consistent, sure. like some people's like you could take a group of people and they're like, oh yeah, I have that reaction. Then another group is I have that reaction. But like one of my things was I would take the Adderall and listen to the same song for like Repeat. five hours straight. Like I remember I had this Jose Padilla song. Oh yeah, Adios he's like, a, yeah. I listened to that song over and over and over again, like for three hours. What, a, it's a, what does that mean? Uh, you get into this flow, but it's, it's sort of a mechanical flow. It's a maddening spiral. Oh my God. I did that. I did that stuff too. I mean, I know, I know. I mean, I got it from you. I fucking took Adderall when I had my shoulder surgery and I was done for the season. I took Adderall and organized my entire DVD and Blu-ray collection by alphabetically by director. Yeah, I remember. I was so pumped about it. But that's really what Adderall is good for. It's it's great for categorizing, um, taking a task list and hitting it 
you know, checking the boxes, getting the things done. But as soon as you're done with that task list, Mm -hmm. you feel completely worthless. Yeah. And uninspired and in a black depression because your whole way of being has become about doing shit. And when there's nothing left to do, who are you after that? Yeah. Yeah. So I... So, I mean, uh, with the nootropics, I feel fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't get any of that. It feels, you know, the other thing with Adderall, I've talked to buddies who who have taken Adderall who lament this aspect of it. But on Adderall, you'll get super focused on one task. Mm -hmm. It could be writing. It could be creating some art piece. The phone will ring. Mm Mm-hmm. You'll jump on this oh, phone yeah. call and then you'll get sucked into this phone call. Yeah, yeah. But it's really difficult to jump back in yeah, yeah. and refocus on whatever the thing was you're doing. Yeah, it's, uh, I had that. But I find with the nootropics, you're you're so much you're much more fluid. Yeah. In your process, so yeah. you're able to move from one thing to the next, come out of stuff, come back in, and it's just more natural. It's just right. I, I don't know. I think it's just. It's a much better alternative without the come down and it's not an amphetamine. So it's functioning on another pathway in the, in the body. Yeah. Which is good. Um, my brother coming unglued dog. I love, yeah. (laughs) You know, it seems as though uh, I feel like we've probably said this before on these episodes and it just continues to exponentiate and evolve and the absurdity and ridiculousness of the institutions, the politics, the messaging, the media, it's, it's getting to this state where, it all looks like an SNL skit. Yeah. It all looks like parody. Like you could you could be watching something that's a real video of a real person doing something or talking about something or saying something and you're not sure if it's real or if it's a joke. Is it parody? <clears throat> Is it an illusion? Yeah. And it seems so obvious to me as if they're not even trying to veil the, the insanity, the hypocrisy, the insanity. We're like in the epic of hypocrisy right now. Like I was telling you this morning, I feel like our podcasts are sort of rolling inspirate or the ones that I come on. They're like rolling inspirations of our like conversation, like from hours previous. And then we're just like, or then you just say, let's do a podcast. Yeah. But like this morning, last night I watched this news briefing about that. I thought was interesting about comedy, how America was the forerunner of comedy. And if you really, and if you think about it, it really was like with Jim Carrey, Chris Farley, Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy. Yes. All those Richard Pryor. 
uh, who's the the white guy? Richard uh, Carlin or um, oh George Carlin. George Carlin. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's failing. That's failing now in conjunction, in juxtaposition with taking away our liberty. Like uh-huh. co- the great comedy is only grounded in how free we are, and that that was. I I feel like that makes total sense, but that was like a side note that I thought was really interesting. And then to this point of hypocrisy, particularly in the media and what the the media perpetuates of, you know, with this Cuomo thing, for example, six or seven months ago, Cuomo's a god. We're talking about being Cuomo sexual. We're talking about loving him. All the and the the briefing I was watching was a uh, the late night hosts. From like seven months ago saying Cuomo's a god. Cuomo, are you single? I love you. All these jokes. Laughing, joyous. And then they cut to now or recently, like three or however many days ago, a few days ago when he resigns. And all the same late night show hosts are doing skits making fun of him. Not really. And it's okay. Okay. You're going to make fun of him. But not really um, taking responsibility or accountability that. You really loved this. You were like all about this guy very recently. Yeah. It's like the hypocrisy of whatever the media. I mean, dude, I got to say it's it's the neoliberal mania media. I mean, can yeah. can can we just be honest here and just say that? I mean, yeah. I don't know why I need to say that, but uh, you know, can we be honest? Of course. I mean, it seems like that. It's definitely seems like. Well, we were talking about this earlier, and how New York City is such a prime example of intellectualism running its course mm-hmm. and consuming itself. Because when you have intellect with no foundation of spirituality or God awareness or a higher power or something bigger than yourself, mm-hmm. you inevitably run into the traps of setting up people, situations, environments as iconoclast, as godly, Etc., only for them to inevitably reveal the reality lying underneath, which is that everything is flawed, nothing is perfect. And in that, that's exactly what you know, uh, that's exactly what's happening because we're trying to control all of the narratives, we're trying to control it to such an extent that we're literally mandating and restricting our way out of liberty, freedom, and doing our damnedest to get rid of God in the process of that. I mean, check this out, dude. Meanwhile, though, hold on before you say that, last thing to finish up. Meanwhile, putting all of your faith in false gods. Right. Putting all of your faith creating gods unknowingly, apparently, because it seems like the prevailing ideas that, you know, ever, you know, the intellectual American wants to kill God or rid its life of God. Meanwhile, 
meanwhile attributing godliness to false paradigms, false gods, science, scientists, government, institutions, politicians, etc. Media, faces, etc. Yeah. And it's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable in the grand scheme of no, no. of a fulfilling experience as a human being. Right. And that's how we end up with coming unglued. And, you know, check this out. You were talking about the intellect this morning. And then on my way over here, before I came over here, I found this Osho quote that's just this. This to me is. This to me is where we're at right now. He says the and it's interesting if you like really if you really digest what he's saying it's so specific he says the mind is calculative hence it remains superficial mm. and because it calculates too much it always hesitates only when the time has has gone does it come to a conclusion but then it is pointless when the right moment is there, the mind goes on thinking and hesitating. The mind is basically an extension of fear. That is not the way to know God. You're talking about something deeper. I'm, I'm saying yes. your words now. Yes. Now Osho goes on to say, God cannot be known through calculation, through cleverness. God cannot be known by this hesitating mind. It is good in the marketplace, but not good in the temple. One has to leave it outside the temple, and to leave the mind outside is to be drunk. This is like a photo with him, like with wine and stuff, and he's talking about like being drunk on the divine. So then he goes on to say, then you function through the heart. Then your heart starts creating a wine of its own, and your whole being becomes permeated with it. Mm. You start living in a totally different dimension, the dimension of love. The dimension of poetry, the dimension of dance, the dimension of music. Then you are getting away from the marketplace. The way to get away from the marketplace is not to escape to the Himalayas or to a monastery. The real escape is to drop the mind and to exist as the heart. To exist as the heart is what I mean by being a drunkard. To exist as a lover. Then prayer is easy. Then worship is easy. Then trust is easy. It becomes so easy that one never asks how. If a person asks how to trust, how to love, he is simply showing that he exists in the head. The head always asks how. The heart never asks how. Mm. So good. But that's interesting to me in terms of what you're bringing up about, you know, and you've talked about this, like moving from, or, and we've talked about this, moving out of the intellect and into the intuition and moving out of the mind and into the heart. I feel like an essence of this, of this world or America coming unglued is the whole intellectual spree. We've on, we've been on the whole mind spree. It's not really working anymore. Yeah. Well, to tie it all together, something that's occurred to me that's directly linked to intellectualism, the mind, and the difference between that paradigm and living through the heart, is we're constantly trying to find the answers. 
We want the concrete definitions and answers. The mind, like like he says, the mind is calculative. The mind is constantly trying to find the concrete answer to the problems, which don't exist. Because life is constantly in flux. Life is constantly evolving and changing and shifting. So therefore, any answer that may be true today, right now, most certainly won't be true five minutes from now, a day from now, a month from now, certainly not five years from now. And the heart is never seeking any answer. The heart is functioning based in what is, what is happening right now. It's not looking for something else. It's not trying to figure it out. It's simply being with what is. And that's really, to me, the the ultimate pitfall of the intellect is that it's constantly seeking answers that reveal themselves to be mm-hmm. illusions. But I also think it's interesting that he says, maybe the most potent point of that thing to me, he says, the mind is essentially an extension of fear. Oh my God, I know. So like if we're looking at all of the things going on right now in our world, would you not say that we are just living in a complete uh, storm of fear? I mean, this is all fear. It's all fear. It's like our our hearts are so closed down. Yeah, yeah, it's all fear. It's interesting on that note, the antidote perhaps to all of that. I'm reading Letting Go by David Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Mind blower. Incredible. Yeah. You've read it already. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. And he's talking about this woman he was working with who was just completely encased in fear. Uh-huh. Like came to his office, had ba- had was all dressed in white had bags of food and supplements and vitamins that she had to take, wore gloves, couldn't Uh touch anything, didn't want to sit down because she was afraid the germs might get on her or, you know, didn't even when he wrote her a prescription for something, didn't even want, wanted him to take a, a prescription note from the middle of the stack because it hadn't been touched by Mm. anything and then also just wanted her to peel it away and didn't want him to touch it at all in case there were any germs. That was their first session. And then after that, their next session, she had gotten worse to the point where she didn't want to leave her house, couldn't get out of bed because she was afraid that if she moved, she would die going outside. She was worried about being mugged and raped mm-hmm. and all sorts of things. And it just progressed. And he's 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 trying to figure this thing out. Like, how do I help this person? Uh-huh. I can't. I want to actually call her family, but uh-huh. I can't call her family because she doesn't want me to call her family because she doesn't want her family. She's afraid her family will find out. She's seeing a psychiatrist. And so he said he's in this conundrum of like, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't offer anything to this person. I can't do anything for them. I can't suggest anything. I can't even meet with them. And he said, finally, it occurred to him, he completely let go Mm -hmm. of the whole situation and decided to just love this person. Mm. 
And every time he was with her, he just loved her. Mm. And he just loved her and allowed her to do her thing. Mm. And he said after a little while, she actually started to improve. Wow. She started coming back to the office. He was like, it wasn't ever a perfect, like, curing of her her fear. But he said, mm. the act of love, love is a healing agent. Mm. You know, and while that's super difficult right now, because we're so... It's so beautiful, though. I know, dude. It was so... It was like, oh, wow. God, of course, man. Wow. Like, what the fuck? You know, like we're constantly trying to figure out, like, how the fuck are we going to convince that person that they're doing it wrong? It's like, man, we're never going to do that. So why don't we just try to just love that person? And I know that's so fucking difficult Mm. in this climate where it's all it's everything seems so polarized and everyone is clawing with their fingernails to make themselves heard and known and understood. But if we can cultivate just a little bit of space in our reaction to the things that we come up against in our day-to-day lives, and we can just start to approach them from a place of love and compassion, man, maybe everybody will just stop you know, we'll just put their fucking swords down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And just unravel themselves. Because that's what really, that's what he's talking about. You know? It's that allowing someone the dignity of their experience and just fueling them with that positive energy rather than the dark negative energy, mm-hmm. which keeps them encased in their position. Mm-hmm but rather just streaming warmth and positive love in their direction. It allows them this ability or this, it allows them the allowance in themselves to feel what they're feeling and just be with it and not be in the state of trying to fix it or figure it out. And so they can just have the experience and move through the experience rather than being stuck in it. Mm. God, it's so incredible and it's so, <laughs> it's so it's so true and you know what I feel is that we've gotten so far away and it's like we were talking about today how it's almost like you know you had mentioned part of my hope is almost that it all does come unglued because we've gotten so far away from community in this world and we've gotten, you know, I look around and this is, you know, this is why it's important to open up and say hello to strangers and just like say, I hope you have a wonderful day because you can look around, see thousands of people in a day and you don't know a single person. Yeah. And that's a problem because everybody needs love, like you're saying. And, you know, I'm reading this book, Sex at Dawn, and it's a really interesting book. It's written by this, like, husband and wife. I I believe they're husband and wife. And a lot of the book is about, um, 
you know, polygamy and monogamy and how humans are from apes, of course, and how like on a primal level, we're not really designed for monogamy, but, and they, they give a really interesting case. And I've, I've read like less than a quarter of the book, but one of the things that came up that's been really interesting to me also like thinking about that Sebastian Younger book tribe, you know, one of because they in in Sex at Dawn they quote every you know philosopher upon and scientist upon scientist and anthropologist and one of the scientists that really struck me he was saying something that was essentially catastrophic for the human race was when we started having like individual land it really fractured us and broke us out of sharing. And a lot of the book, at least in the early stages of what I've read, is about how apes, which we are, we used to share everything. Like we used to share mates. We used to share food. We used to share land. We used to share fire. We used to share water. And I just feel like if there's some benefit of this thing coming unglued, is that we go back to, and we've talked about this too, we go back to some sort of tribal element. I mean, it's Terrence's, Terrence McKenna's whole ethos, I feel. His biggest dream was the archaic revival. And it's like, if the destruction of intellect does one positive thing, it's bringing us deeper into our intuition and in our, in our heart and what you're saying about just offering that love. Because if the intellect is grounded in fear, fear doesn't have a lot of room for love. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I just think there's, you know, that's beautiful that 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 you brought that up and then just. Yeah, dude. Moving. No, I totally. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with the intellect, but it has no, to be balanced no. with what I amount to spirituality or a heart sense about the world. <clears throat> because if you're just constantly trying to figure it out, that's what's gotten us here. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we have mask mandates, lockdowns on the verge of vaccine mandates, all in the name of quote unquote, the greater good, I suppose. But it's all in this desperation for figuring it out. Meanwhile, hundreds of thousands of people still died from COVID, even though we fucking locked down the world and fucking put masks on everybody and our kids and inhibited the flow of oxygen, the, the breath of life prana into our system, perhaps the most important aspect of our immune health. But all of that was in the name of the intellect yeah. because we were desperate. The, the fucking, the officials, the politicians, the, whoever these people are, were just fucking completely desperate to answer this problem of a perceived threat. But what do you, what do you think about this tribal element? What do you think about this, this thing I'm talking about? Of, I think we're, that we're this separated is, and I fractured think, and like, where, where's our, I think that we're moving back towards that, man. I see yeah. it. I see it and it's happening 
It's happening all over the world. People are coming together. People are rising up. People are recognizing the need for connection and the need for tribal experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, man, at the end of the day, <clears throat> I truly believe and have faith in the fact that the universe is is constantly moving in a direction of progress, greater peace, greater serenity. And so while human beings have been perceived as sort of a monkey wrench in the unfoldment of the universe and nature because we have this intellect honestly i mean that really is what separates us from the animal kingdom yeah is that we have this ability to like figure shit out and problem solve on a very high level and you know systematically break things down and in order to survive uh even that being said i believe that nature is constantly finding its way to a greater state of balance and the isolation of the human animal is not a sustainable enterprise the disconnection of the human animal to his or her brothers and sisters is just not a sustainable path. No. And, and what I mean by that is like, I don't, there's definitely, you know, things are absolutely shifting. We are never going back to what life was two years ago. Things are completely shifting and different and changed and there, there are many people who are living in this illusion of we're just going to get through this and do the do what they tell us and then it's going to be fine and we're going to get on with life and get back to normal. It's not happening. No. It's just not even in the realm of reality. And so something is absolutely shifting. There's a major, major shift in consciousness, a paradigm shift, a massive paradigm shift in consciousness that is occurring. Mm -hmm. And it continues to happen. Yeah. And when I say that the pathway of isolation is not sustainable... I don't, it doesn't occur to me that any pathway of isolation would just lead to a dead end. This thing, like I said, life is constantly evolving and shifting and changing and innately, subconsciously, as we are all aspects, the human race is an aspect of nature, of universe, of God. We have an innate gravitation towards sustainable practices, sustainable Mm -hmm. life practices. Mm -hmm. So 
the path the pathway the 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 concept or the you know ethos of isolation and disconnection it it'll only go so far because eventually like what i believe is already happening and what perhaps covid even shifted people into was like i want to spend time around people i fucking dig man i want to spend time in person with people that are doing the shit that i'm interested in Man, getting outside feels really good. Just throwing the baseball around, breathing, going to the park, having a fucking picnic, going on a hike, getting to the beach, you know, doing trips with your friends. I'm seeing this all over the place. Yeah. People marching and protesting and getting together. It's fucking powerful, man. And I think that that is simply a, an innate reaction to the insustainability of all of this shit that's that's coming down through the whatever it is, whoever it is, the government, I guess. But, you know, governments, institutions, they all have as much power as we are willing to give them, period. They don't own any of this. They don't own us. It is up to us. To provide them with as much or as little power as they, as we feel is necessary. Yeah. And that's really gone out. That's, they've been trying to throw that out the window, whoever they is. That's been going out the window, but it's not. Well, that's the thing, man. Like going back to the comedy idea, you know, and how comedy was infused and enriched by freedom of speech and complete liberty. And so when cancel culture started to emerge, I don't really understand like when that whole thing happened, but you can kind of think on a microcosmic level, to some extent, every one of us as human beings throughout our lives has come into contact with a bully or someone who has said or done things to us that have hurt us on an emotional level, Mm -hmm. wounded us emotionally, right? And so you can understand how in the manifestation of social media and the internet, this sensitivity would in some ways grow or be amplified to a certain state where we start calling out people who say, quote unquote, insensitive things or mean things or bullying things, right? But which on the surface, there's nothing really wrong with calling out the bully or, you know, bringing these people out into the light to expose their, well, you know, ill effects. But once again, it's not balanced with any sense of spirituality or wholeness. So therefore it becomes this thing where now you can't say anything. Or you can't do anything. You can't even have a contrary opinion. Apparently, if it's not coming through Tony Fauci or the NIH or the CDC, then it must be a conspiracy theory. And it's just like, if we're really trying to find the answers to anything in life, don't we need to see all the information? Well, we're being blackmailed by the government. (sighs) 
we're being blackmailed by the government and that's what they're doing. I mean, that's what they're attempting to do, but I just think it's too big. You know, like I mentioned, I said this the other day, I think like the government's just trying to control everybody and you just can't do it. I mean, you can, exactly. you can do it for a little bit. Sure. I mean, try, but there's too many, like if there's a hundred thousand people that think this way, there's a hundred thousand that think that way. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I mean, at some point you just have to say, I don't, I'm not doing it. I'm not buying it. And, um, you know, then who knows what happens? Yeah, um, we'll see, man. I just think, <laughs> you know, see. things are definitely changing. Um, I, I absolutely agree. There's no going back. You know, there's no, you know, I, I've already given up the whole thing when people say, you know, um, back to normal. I mean, I don't even know. Why would you want to do that? That yeah. was insane. What does that even We need mean? change, yeah. you know, and Jeff Cobra's always talking about, I don't know where it says it, but one of his things he's always saying is basically what you had said. He's a meditation teacher out here. He says in the Vedas, it's always talking about nature is always evolving. It's kind yeah. of an obvious statement, but like it's always evolving and it's always evolving for its highest good. I mean, right. I think that's interesting what you said about how I interpret it is that like nature is always moving to the next sustainable thing. Yes. It's like sustainable is only sustainable for as long as it's sustainable. Yeah. Um, and now, I mean, our, our mental health and spiritual health is something that need that nature recognizes. Is this sustainable or not? So we need to move. We need to move from here. Yes. Um, and I think it's interesting. You know, we were driving home today and we <clears throat> saw that guy on the street walking. I mean, he was clearly homeless, but he was naked. I mean, he was walking right toward totally us. He naked. had his dick out. He was dick on the out. side of the on, on the side of like Ventura Boulevard. Which, dick flying all over the yeah, place. If imagine your main street, he was just walking, and you and I were almost like. Wow, that's kind of awesome. Like he's totally broken free in a way. It's almost yeah. and I my intuitive reaction was like America needs more of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We need more of that. Yeah, it was really interesting to um I mean, and wait, let me just let me clarify because the audience is, you know, I don't know what they you know, I say, I see some guy walking with his dick out and I say, we need more of that. I'm saying we need more humanity, humanity, like recognizing our shared humanity, like stop the kind of puritanical. Kind of, I don't even know what it, what is it? I don't That's, either. We need more India here. Is that what we would say? Like, right. like, can you be just, I mean, we were talking about walking barefoot these days. Like, yeah. You know, I think it's humanity, dude. Yeah. You know, it's like we need to break out of this. Like once again, it's it's sort of the the pitfalls yeah. of the intellectual left that you know you, they build up these characters only for them to inevitably reveal themselves as as false gods or you know human, basically fallible, which we all are. But, you know, you paint yourself into these corners of 
of saying that this is pure and perfect and this is the standard of leadership. I'm a Cuomo-sexual. Oh, really? Because the guy seems to just sexually, <gasps> apparently, it's been revealed that the guy is just sexually harasses any woman he can get his hands on. So, is he really the epitome of leadership? I mean, we're crawling out of the Me Too uh, era, which I think is still happening, or all of this is sort of a result of, which is great. I mean, we should stand up to the fucking, to the bullies and the harassers and the the rapists and the pedophiles. We, we should absolutely stand up for this, stand up against these things. So... I don't know, man. I don't know either. I'm a little weirded out. I mean, how could you not be? Of course, dude. You know, it's it's kind, all so weird. It's kind of what I was expressing to you the other day, you know. It can feel lonely. Yeah. You know, the weirdness can feel lonely. And like you were saying, you know, you're not alone. You're, you're not alone because there's people that are feeling things and I think that's why it's important and vital to open your mouth and say how you're feeling yeah it's vital man it's vital whatever you're feeling right now talking to everybody listening to this and myself whatever you're feeling right now most likely there's a lot of people out in the world that feel exactly the same way so why not share it? Step through that fear of being ridiculed or ostracized or cast out for being different. Step through that fear. Share the thing that you're going through because it probably will have a dramatically positive impact on someone that you couldn't even imagine. See, and then to me, that's really helpful. And to me, that's where the intellect can be really used as a powerful tool because yes. the intellect, because when we're sharing, we're uniting the intellect with the intuition. We're uniting the mind and heart Yes, because we need our intellect be, to be able to voice our feelings. So the intellect is deeply important. As Vivekananda says, it's a wonderful slave, but a terrible, terrible master. So if we can use it, and be friends with it and acquainted with it in order to share our heart, not to share more, more, um, paranoia and, you know, yep. Um, yes. Yeah, exactly, man. Cause when you voice what you're going through with courage, you give more people that courage to voice or speak their truth into the world, act their truth into the world. And that is the most powerful thing on the planet. That's the most powerful thing that we have going for us at this very moment. So, yeah, that dude walking down the street, totally nude. We had a tank. He had a black tank top on. With, with no pants. No <laughs> pants, no shoes. 
<clears throat> and uh, he's just totally out, man. And probably a few years ago, I would have been sort of shocked by it, maybe. Not, not even like, not really even like a negative feeling because we saw so much intense, weird shit in New York City growing up. Yeah. So not really shocked from a place of judgment or, or anything like that, but just sort of shocked that, wow, that's a dude's dick, like flying around as he's walking down the street, just totally in broad daylight. But seeing it today, I was I was completely un, un, undisturbed. I, I was completely not surprised by it. Mm. I was like, yeah, yeah. Right on, brother. You know? Yeah. Right on. Like, I get it. Yeah. And to your point, I think we can use more humanity in America in 2021. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's... Um, I was pulled over today and I the, the cop wrote me a ticket. It was just some really silly thing. Like, I had pretty hilarious yeah i had like gone in front of him and he he said i was speeding i was not uh, i'll admit if i i was it was hardly it 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 felt like he just was giving tickets you know yeah it just felt like one of those like oh shit i'm it, it was it was pretty absurd i mean if i'm being honest but like there was a feeling you know there was such a separation and there were two cops and you know i'm not i'm cordial with cops i say yes sir no sir i'm respectful i mean i respect the police i don't i'm not like i I don't really understand how you could be so brazen to like argue or tell them to fuck off i don't i mean i don't know who would do that but you know like i tried to like in the very brief moment of him like coming to the window and doing the whole exchange, I tried to extend some humanity. Like I said to him, like, hey, I respect what you guys do. Like, you know, I know we're in a weird time right now. Like I said that, like, because they're, they're humans. They're not fucking living under rocks. Yeah. And, you know, they were like, you know, he was like, thanks, thanks, you know, and but I just felt like such a separation. I was like, why don't I know these people? Why don't I have any fucking, you know, is it because we have 8 billion people on the planet? Like, is it because we've got so many people now? And like, there's so many people that I don't know from Adam, but I just felt like, this isn't working. Like, I need to know you. Like, particularly, like, in that role of, like, I'm the citizen, you're, like, the protector of the citizenry. Like, why is there not more communication and communion between just our communities? Like, isn't this my community? It wasn't like I was in another state, even though what does that matter? You know, Native Americans never believed in borders. You know, like... Well, it brings up something interesting in my mind coming back to coming unglued. Yeah, so I just, I wanted to share that, you know, that feeling of like, we well, need to know we, know who we are, man. The compartmentalization of society is highly detrimental to our connectivity. 
mm-hmm. because everything is put in these boxes. Right. Like the police, they're over there. You don't talk to the police unless you have an issue. Yeah. They're over there. Fire department's over there. Go to church to find God. Go to the restaurant to get your food. Go to the grocery store, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But this idea of coming unglued, at first at first glance, you go, oh, ooh, coming unglued. That's not a good thing. It's all falling apart. Mm-hmm. But it, as it relates to the compart the the compartmentalization of society and how that has revealed itself to be a somewhat, if not completely, inhibitor for spiritual evolution or conscious evolution. Compartmentalization is? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Coming unglued simply means the breaking down of those walls, you know, mm-hmm. the falling of those boundaries, the the crumbling of old paradigms of old of the compartmentalization where the the dualistic illusion of it all is melting into the non-dualistic mm. yeah reality yeah of it all. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point, you know? No, that's beautiful and it's really important. It's really important. Um, and that's what happens. I mean, when we're living from the heart, it's not this bullshit. It's not this bullshit dualism. I mean, yoga is all about a non dual experience. Yoga is all about I'm you and you're me. I mean, we're one. And yeah. and when we fucking break this bullshit down and express ourselves from our heart and say, hey, how you doing today? You know, not you're in some fucking costume. I'm in another in another costume. Right. OK, you can wear the costume, but can we see each other's hearts? Yeah. Can we see what's really there? Well, you that's know? why to that point, that's why I don't think it's an issue of there being 8 billion people. Right. You know, right. because consciousness is infinite. Yes. Yeah. The heart doesn't know. Mm-hmm. You can walk anywhere and go meet somebody new. Yes. That's true. And you can accept them mm-hmm. in their totality mm-hmm. for everything they are and aren't. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and uh, to tie this in again. You know, we went to see the Big Lebowski on Saturday Mm -hmm. and I've always, it's always, it's perhaps this weekend it cemented itself as my favorite movie of all time. It's always been one of my favorite movies of all time. And I've always thought of it as being this ancient mythology, biblical type tale Mm -hmm. That is something like there's something going on in the Big Lebowski mm-hmm. that is such an allegory for life and spirituality and sort of the there's just something under the surface that I've never quite been able to put my finger on. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's surreal and it's fantastic and it's brilliant and it's hilarious and it's truly a masterpiece of, of a film. But I'm watching it this weekend and I had this epiphany, dude. The movie is about a nobody mm. mm-hmm. who becomes everything for everybody. <laughs> yeah. 
Because you have no idea who this guy is, right. where he comes from. Yeah. You're dropped in to his life. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he becomes the centerpiece of it all. And I was like, what the fuck? Because he's a complete nobody. Because uh-huh. you don't know like where he grew up, what his family's like. You don't put any context onto who this guy is. Right. You're literally just with him as he is. This nobody who yeah. doesn't even want a name. He's the dude. <laughs> you know? And he becomes the fucking centerpiece of this whole universe. So expound on that. What's What does that mean? I mean, what is the takeaway? Like, well, it's what that is the... idea of becoming nobody. Becoming nobody. But and in... there's 8 billion people in the right, world. Right, right. Okay, so in the context of what we're talking about, to drop the identity mania and Matrix. just be and just be so he's kind of like this this um glue of a non-dual existence because he's not trying to separate himself from anything yeah and all he the, has no judgment like he moves through these scenes and he just takes it all as it is yeah like he's never going into a scene and being like Oh, you're the rich guy, or oh, you're the the porn star, or oh, you're the wild artist lady, or you know, he's just ta- everything is just taken as is. So going back to the point of like, there's eight billion people in the world, man. If you remove your perception of who people are based on their skin color, their religion, right, their right. background, their mm-hmm. fucking upbringing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're just meeting another soul. <clears throat> well, to me, let me throw... Because we're all nobodies. Yes. Let me throw this at you, which I think is a little bit of a wrench in it that we've been perpetuating, but also battling, is this identity politics shit. See, there's a problem when we were, when the meet, mass media, let's say, is putting so much weight in who you are. I'm yeah. gay, I'm straight, I'm black, I'm trans, I'm white, I'm this, I'm that. Sure, that's okay to establish some thing, but talking about the sustainability of it all, that's not really going to work because no, it's only not. creating more division. You don't reckon, like, how do you not see? mass media, whoever it is, that that's creating more division. (laughs) Well, I think you have to, that immediately begs the question or (laughs) provides the answer that that is 100% their intention. The intention is to divide, distract, Mm -hmm. and overwhelm. Well, they're hoodwinking a lot of people. It's like you said, it's like you said today. I don't want to I, like somebody says I don't want I don't identify as anything. Meanwhile, you've now just grounded yourself in nothing but your identity. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't want to label myself. But call but, me this. But call me yeah, so you're you're completely labeling yourself. You can't be like you're your perceived non-attachment is your attachment. But maybe that's part of the beautiful, the beauty of all the paradox of coming unglued. Also, how Ramdas would say, you have to really become somebody to then become nobody. Yeah. So go to the max 
of whatever you think your identity is, and then yeah. you realize it's all bullshit. Right. Which I think was the the blessing of of like something like your career as an NFL player, where you just went to the identity max. Yeah. I'm this guy with this helmet, with this paycheck, with this job. Yeah. With these shoes. Yeah. And I was I was lucky or whatever, blessed to be your right hand man. So I had the experience too. Yeah. Where you realize, oh, it's all fucking nonsense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the that's kind of a problem too. I mean, obviously with well, going- celebrity. I mean, you just become so much of somebody and, and we live in a kind of celebrity cult. Yeah. Which doesn't work because then we can't, then we have to differentiate ourselves. Well, here's another perspective on that is that that is all just another vehicle for the realization of truth. Mm-hmm. The media, the programming, the celebrity, the identity. Those are magnificent vehicles for enlightenment, transcending levels of consciousness. Yeah. You know, because like the drug addict, like the, you know, it's just another pathway of realizing the insustainability of these fleeting illusions. You know, you decide you're somebody who believes this, who's X, Y, and Z. And then all of a sudden, one day you have an experience where you're totally that a belief you had or an idea about who you are is just completely obliterated in an instant. And you find yourself reeling with fear and panic and anxiety because you realize the thing that you thought you were is not real. That's a powerful trip back to God. You know, that's a super, I mean, I was asking uh, my buddy Alan about this the other day, you know, can we have, can we get to God without the traumatic experience? Can we get to God without the hardship? Because I, I tend to veer into this territory where it's got to be a struggle. You know, it's got, you've got to do the ayahuasca ceremony. You've got to do You know, you've got to fucking break your body completely down. You've got to hit rock bottom. But perhaps you don't. I don't know. Uh, Well, Ramdas talks about how trauma is a wonderful vehicle for consciousness expansion. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I've talked about this on the pod and I'm considering it my next writing project because it's just been so, you know, I was on a plane with my girlfriend at the time and I had been flying my whole life. I had flown to Europe. I'd flown to Sweden. We flew back and forth to New York a dozen times a year almost. Yeah. And I got on a plane with my girlfriend and something happened. And I say something because I don't exact some energy spirit. Something happened where I completely broke and they were shutting the doors to the plane. I mean, there's a whole, there was a whole kind of trajectory of me getting to this on the plane, but I ran off the plane and they opened the doors. I hear the, 
I hear the stewardess saying he's coming. So she kind of knew it seemed like I'm not really telling the whole trajectory of when I was on the plane the whole time, but I started sobbing as I'm falling out of the plane and fell out of the plane onto the gangway. Yeah. Fell onto my back, (laughs) sobbing, exploded open. Yeah. And I've never been the same since. Yeah. Never been. I mean, it's. What was was that? Six years ago? Seven years ago? Eight, seven, eight years ago. And I'm, and I, and it was my ticket to God. It was my ticket to, it was a big ticket to the ride. Yeah. 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 It was a big ticket to the show. Right. And I'm still pulling my light. I'm still, well, I don't know what the word is. I'm still figuring my life out from that. I, I was launched into a completely new dimension. I was so deeply unconscious. And that's the best way I can put it prior to that. I was rocketed. And it took a while to get to like this consciousness or awareness that I'm at now. Yeah. But it was just like yeah, I got on the ayahuasca boat in a way. Yeah. Maybe fucking DMT was just exploded in my skull. You had a surge of DMT. I don't know. Serotonin. Yeah, but to your point, I don't... Uh, is it about humbling? Who gets the grace? Right. Well, everybody does. At some, everybody at does some point. in the cycle, whether it's this lifetime or the next. Is that how it goes? I think that's one way to look at it. Bear. Well, I think this is good to wrap because we got to pick up Sandy and get her to karate. But, uh, dude, this was excellent. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I you got to write you got to write that all out because that's I you read you wrote something because I've read that whole piece. Yeah, but I wasn't I wasn't as aware as I am now, so I feel like I have to write it again. You know. Well, it was super. Thanks, Danny. It was super visceral when you wrote it, and it was so powerful. Well, maybe I need to revisit it. Yeah, I, I think you wrote you wrote it beautifully. You know, when you're describing a scene like that, I'm I'm going through this with editing my book and in the final stages of this thing. You don't necessarily need to give the reader your your fully cooked. Mm-hmm experience or your fully cooked interpretation of the experience you had Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like giving them just the experience that happened is really powerful Mm. because inevitably it's infused with the energy or the lesson that was Mm. found therein Mm -hmm. and i i mean dude it when the thing that you wrote was it did you put it in a screen it was on medium well, I wrote anxiety. I wrote my screenplay anxiety. So yeah, was that, that that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, when I read that, it occurred to me as a complete God experience. You yeah. know, I mean, then I, I may, I maybe would have worded it as like a breakdown or a you know a complete explosion into another reality for sure, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's, you know, you don't always, you don't have to gift people 
when you're telling a story, it's not, I don't think it's always useful to gift people the total, give them everything. Mm -hmm. Cause you want to allow them to have an experience and an interpretation of whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So yeah, dude, it's awesome, man. Good stuff, dude. I'm fucking, I don't know. I feel full of hope and faith and. Well, I think we found some nice things today, you know, bringing the love, opening up, being honest, not being afraid to tell the truth, allowing people to have the dignity of their own experience like Hawkins did with the woman, you know, showing her love, allowing her the space to grow. I mean, he's such a sage so he could see behind it. Yeah. And recognize how to work with it. But, but even then, him, he talks about struggling yeah, with not, of course. Being, not having an answer for yeah, it. Yeah, he did not have the he didn't have the answer right away. But then also opening up. Yeah. Let's share what's challenging. It's okay. I mean, I love what you said. Getting on the other side of the fear of sharing what's going on with you. If we don't share what's and I'm I'm saying this for me right now, I mean mostly, man. If 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 I don't share what's going on with me, and this is challenging because I think when you share your fears, if you will, or you share your challenges, you don't want to be ostracized. Exactly. So we have primal elements of the tribe in us. Yeah. Where we think we're gonna be ostracized, but the true tribe doesn't work that way. Yeah. Because the true tribe is grounded in heart space. It's grounded in sharing and love and community. Yeah. So you're we're allowed to share what's going on. And I also love what you said. It doesn't matter if it's eight billion people, man. You could be dropped anywhere and meet somebody and share something. Yeah. And connect with a person. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, waiting waiting for you to pick me up in the car. Yeah, I saw you talking to that guy. <laughs> this dude just, he came up to me <clears throat> out of nowhere. I was just listening to music, waiting for Gus to pick me up, had to drop my car off at the dealership to have some work done. And literally, this dude, this old guy named Mike, 71 years old, was on his daily walk. It's like I walk 12 miles every day. He's like, I drive over to Burbank. He lives, grew up in North Hollywood, Uh lives in North Hollywood. He drives to Burbank, catches a bus down Glen Oaks into Glendale, Uh and then just walks. Funny. Interesting. And he just started shooting the shit. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? How's your day going? Yeah. Bear. Bear, that's enough. Stop it. I was like, dude, I'm doing excellent. How are you? He's like, I'm pretty good. Out for my daily walk. I was like, dude, I love that. It's excellent. He said, "Eh, well, I'm retired. Not much to do anymore, but walk. I'm like, man, that's amazing, dude. He said he lost 50 pounds in the last six months or something. Awesome. But this guy, I didn't even do it. Like, this guy just came up to me. I don't know what it was. Like, the connection, it just, you know, something was magnetic about our connection and we had a, a eight minute conversation that was super heartfelt mm-hmm. you know and he told me about his wife had passed away five years ago mm-hmm. the first two and a half years were really rough mm-hmm. and difficult mm-hmm. but he started kind of making his way through it and dating again and living his life and finding happiness and he goes you yeah, know i'm 71 i was like man you look great 
your energy is incredible. You got a great energy about you. He's like, yeah, thanks, man. All my friends were about 70 to 80 years old. And one of my buddies said to me last time, he said, man, we're going in threes. I was like, like, oh, yeah. like dropping like flies. Yeah, like you're dying like by in in groups of three. That's crazy. Like you said one one of us will die, and then soon after, two more buddies will oh, die. God. But he talked about that and letting go as well. I mean, that's not really a that's not some little known fact. But you know, grief and the experience of loss will lead to death and yeah. spouses and couples and all, and friends and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um so yeah, dude. Yeah. It's beautiful, man. Fuck. All right, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um Namaste. Namaste, y'all. Check out Gus's newsletter realitynow.substack.com. Shit's getting wild on there. <laughs> Join the Power Tribe on Patreon, everybody. Got bonus ebb and flow content, guided meditations, yoga flows, breath work. We're do, we do monthly group sessions. I'm also offering one-on-one ebb and flow coaching. Those are one-hour sessions with me. Um, would love to see you there. So check us out. We've got merch, higherpowerworkshop.com. T-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, yoga mat. A lot of good stuff. Very high vibe. Revolutionary gear there. So check that out. Lots of love to you guys. Have an epic rest of your day. And I'll see you all on the flip side. Peace.